Welcome to the Black Girl Burnout Podcast. Kelly here. And today I'm excited to tell you about our guest. It is Dr. Jennifer Gomez. She is currently an assistant professor at Boston University for the School of Social Work and the Center for Innovation in Social Work and Health. She has an expertise in structural racism and creating systems level change. Her primary research is in focusing on something called cultural betrayal trauma theory. This is a very unique framework for understanding the mental, cultural, and physical impacts of violence on Black folks of all ages. She has a background as being a fellow in Stanford University for the Advanced Study in Behavioral Sciences. She's published in over 100 peer-reviewed journal articles, and she's also provided research perspectives on violence, sexual abuse, and harassment racism and sexism for national outlets like the Washington Post, NBC News, HuffPost, Newsweek, and Forbes. Dr. Gomez's ultimate goal is for her work to promote equality, equity, and healing for not just individuals, but families, communities, institutions, and societies. We're going to talk a little bit about her first book that's coming out called The Cultural Betrayal of Black Women and Girls a Black feminist approach to healing from sexual abuse. I am so honored to have her join us today as we have a conversation that is near and dear to my heart and from my professional background, which is talking about the impacts of abuse, particularly sexual abuse and domestic violence and its impact on Black women. This month is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and I could not let the month go by without talking about, in general, a theme that is throughout our community which is the silence, underreporting, and more importantly, the lack of healing that is happening in our community when it comes to abuse and particularly the abuse of women. This conversation has moments of heaviness, but overall, what excites me is Dr. Gomez and I have this incredibly beautiful and uplifting conversation about how to have joy after trauma how to have joy while working in a field that has the capacity to cause trauma, and just in general, how Jennifer lives a joyful life. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation, and I hope you find it as uplifting and as powerful as I did. All right, let's not wait any longer. Let's jump into our conversation with Dr. Jennifer Gomez. Hi, Jennifer. I am so glad that you are here with me today. I am going to set up by telling people that I have had like the biggest professional, like fangirl crush on you since I first heard you speak. Uh, we used to work together when we both, I used to work in sexual violence work and mm -hmm. still do, but it's been great to have you on this podcast. This has been an exciting, exciting get for me. I'm very excited to chat with you. So I'm going to start just by saying that and saying, I'm so glad you are here today. Oh, thanks so much, Kelly. I'm super, I'm super excited. And also a fan. I think that it goes both ways when I first heard you speak. So it's really great to be here. I know it's a mutual admiration society. I'm really excited, yeah. which we love. So on that note, I know who you are and I've already said a little bit of a intro, but I want to know just in general who you are, how you describe yourself and what you do. Like, what do you do? Yeah, so I'm Jennifer M. Gomez. I'm a full person, a uh, Black woman. I'm a former ballet dancer with the Dance Suite of Harlem years and years ago. 
And I have my PhD in clinical psychology, and I currently am an assistant professor in the School of Social Work at Boston University, as well as the Center for Innovation, Social Work and Health at Boston University. I'm a board member and chair of the Research Advisory Committee at the Center for Institutional Courage, which is a nonprofit about how to change the world. And fundamentally, in addition to being an educator, I'm a researcher, so Black feminist, critical race researcher, uh, focusing in violence and sexual violence in particular, and the impact that that has on communities of color, particularly Black people. And then my book that's coming out, available for pre-order now, is The Cultural Betrayal of Black Women and Girls, A Black Feminist Approach to Healing from Sexual Abuse. Love it. Love it so much there. I have a small little mini question. It's probably not a mini question, which is how do you go from ballet to being a researcher who specializes in the intersection of gender, race, and interpersonal violence. How does one do that? Sure. Yeah, it's not as despaired as it seems. Well, as a dancer, I want to change the world and, and dance did that and, and for the Black community here in the States and then I would argue abroad as well. And so when I went back to school, I was like, I want to be a poet, but you can't make a living off of being a poet. And then I was like, okay, I want to be like a rape crisis counselor or something. And that just was always just in my head because of the prevalence, et cetera. And so I went to school. I'm at San Diego Mesa College and was paired on an NIH grant to be a research assistant at San Diego State University in a violence lab because of my interest in being a rape crisis counselor. And so from there, working with Audrey Okoda, I went into it thinking that research is like frightfully boring and I was doing it so I can get like paid myself in college. But it really was just like, this is a way for me to understand like how the world works and what's going on. And I, when I first began, I didn't see like the way that I understand violence working. And it wasn't until a few years later in and getting acquainted with Black feminist work that it was like, oh, this, it's not just me who thinks racism and sexism and all this stuff is linked and experiences of violence are linked. So many other people before me and presently. And so was inspired through that. And I'm able to channel Obviously, the discipline, <laughs> both fields are very hard, but I think also just the the creativity and the joy, I would say, in the work. I don't know about you, but I have opted out of struggle when it comes to meal prepping and eating high quality food. With ButcherBox, you get incredible deals on premium cuts, deals as good or hard to come by at the grocery store. I know for myself, I do not like having to plan out everything I eat and then also be concerned about the quality of what I'm eating. When it comes to butcher box, it means less trips to the grocery store for me. It means knowing immediately in my freezer what's available and feeling confident about what's in there. It's about the value that butcher box offers. I mean, where else can you get free protein for a whole year? With butcher box, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. Butcher box is offering our listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com BGB and use code BGB to choose your free offer and get $20 off. What if 2024 you got a little bit better every day? Well, when you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. You don't need to pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. 
I have loved using Babbel. As you may know, I used to live in Italy and Babbel helped me be able to speak to vendors, navigate vacation spots, ask for directions. It just made life easier. Babbel's 10-minute lessons are quick and handcrafted by hundreds of language experts that you can start learning to speak a language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash BGB. Get 50% off at babbel.com slash BGB, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BGB. Rules and restrictions may apply. Which I love. And we're, that's something we're definitely going to delve more deeply into, how to have creativity and particularly joy. That's one of the themes. But one of the other themes of this podcast, just to clue you in, I know you know this, is that one of the themes is all about opting out and particularly opting out of struggle. And it's, it's really seated in this belief that I, that I had when I came to make this podcast that there are certain lies and myths, both historical and then now perpetuated culturally that have like in our culture that make black women believe that their life has to be one of struggle and that either it's like they have to be resigned to that struggle or they have to be addicted, like participating actively in it as someone myself. And I am very transparent about the fact that as someone who it works every day not to be addicted to struggle and has been and someone who works every day not to be resigned to that. And so this first kind of section of us talking I want to talk about one of the themes that is why I have you here today, which is this opting out of silence and the fact that violence itself, interpersonal violence, sexual violence particularly, is prevalent in our community and particularly to Black women. Mm -hmm. And so I want to talk a little bit about that concept of opting out of silence and situate it in like, what have you learned about what contributes to this silence? Mm-hmm. And and what you kind of recommend to opt out of that silence and how you can begin, because there's a lot of people who are scared. So let's go to the first part. What have you learned that made that true, that people are silent and that they have opted into silence? What do you think has contributed that to folks who are not doing your research, who are not studying up on that, just everyday folks? What have you learned about what contributes to the silence of the community and even to a person themselves who may not speak up? Yeah. So, I mean, there's several things. I mean, one is the the crazy racism, right, in, in the U.S. and the need for solidarity in the Black community, speaking about Black people in particular, of like, we need to have this solidarity to buffer against this mean, terrible racism that's everywhere. And my work focuses on when violence happens within groups, so Black perpetrator, Black victim, R. Kelly and a quadrillion women, Black women and girls, like when this happens, it violates that solidarity. So it's this cultural betrayal is what I call it. And then these cultural betrayal traumas, this within group violence, then is associated with like mental health stuff, like PTSD, thinking about suicide, as well as cultural outcomes like internalized prejudice. Like if this is this raping, like it's a black thing, then like I don't want to be involved in it. 
So where does the silencing come in? And I've seen it a lot. I'm sure all of us have. And I studied as well. I call it intracultural pressure. And so it's the keep problems in house. Um, the fact that there we can imagine a world in which R. Kelly and any other black man who's sexually abusing black women and girls, that it would be that they were ostracized. That it was like, this isn't acceptable here. This behavior, we're a group. We don't see that, though. At large, we see the opposite of if you've been abused and if you're speaking out, then you're betraying the community, you're betraying the race. And with the book that I just finished, the through line was going to be cultural betrayal trauma theory. That's my research. But it quickly became violent silencing. And silencing from, silencing in general, but the violent part of like death threats. Like Toronto Burke's under the Me Too movement gets death threats, of course, from white people, of course, because of our society, but also from black men. How is that? Like, that's very violent silencing. And so the not wanting to speak out or not speaking out or not disclosing like people and black women and girls aren't crazy for thinking it's dangerous to yeah. disclose because we see it over and over and over again, this danger. And so I think when I think about opting out of silence, part of it is that when you do opt out of silence, when you do speak about this stuff, yes, you may very well get all of the stuff that we've seen, the stuff that many of us have gotten, and you also get community. I think yes. that's the part that we don't, you think about the bad side, but not the good outcomes of it. And so if all of us if there's a bunch of us who have been sexually abused and a bunch of us who think sexual abuse isn't OK, uh, then and we all aren't talking to each other, then we don't know that anyone else exists. We're just suffering in silence and in isolation. And when we speak up, then we're able to identify different people. And I think that's something with me and you, Kelly, of like, I heard you speak, you heard me speak. And it was like, ah, she gets it, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it wouldn't have happened if neither one of us had spoken, you know, in those spaces. And I think. Opting out of silence, I think opting out of myths of the myths that black women are unrapeable yeah. because we're so very sexual or we're so very asexual, like the Jezebel kind of mammy. Yes. Dialectic or that like being a black woman, being a black girl means that like you're going to be sexually abused. Yeah. Like this is the world. It doesn't have to be that way. And there's nothing inherent about blackness or maleness or black maleness that is same thing as raping yeah right like i know a lot of black men who like don't rape anybody you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, yes and, yes and black men can hold other black men accountable if you are not raping then you shouldn't have it be okay that you're you know your buddy's raping folks or sexually abusing kids i think that opting out of the idea that black solidarity means that we just shut up about it yeah and so if we want to be a solid community, it means that that solidarity kind of only goes one way. It goes us towards black men and boys and it goes black men and boys towards towards themselves. And then we have a black community whose black community needs are centered around black cis men. There could be solidarity that was like, we're not going to accept the violence. We're going to work to prevent, to address, to heal all parties involved, etc. And not that if you're a real Black person, you know, if you're for the cause, if you're for the struggle, then you should be quiet. Beautifully, beautifully, beautifully said. And, and so much to unpack there in the fact that when you talk about just the piece of struggle, right, that so much of what keeps people locked in pain and trauma 
and what I just say is struggle for the podcast is directly connected, which you identified to cultural and historical myths, right? Yeah. The the age old myth back from slavery and from even in Africa that black women are not capable of being sexually assaulted or raped, like they're just not capable. Mm-hmm. That starts in historical, but then it invades cultural, like it's been adopted in the culture that admitting you've been in pain, admitting yeah. that you are hurt is a betrayal of the culture. And that yeah. somehow that you are harming black folks as a whole, a collective mm-hmm. is something that I think very many people can relate to in just little ways. Like everybody's got, you know, that even the phrase, look, everybody's got that uncle or everyone's got that person in their family that is normalized. Like we just kind of go, that's just how they are because we know if we spoke up too loudly that that would be a betrayal of the family itself. And yet, mm-hmm. and yet, in realism and being realistic, that may be the way your experience is, and that may be true, right? That you just can't, you may not be able to, to speak up. But what you said was also like this converse piece of like the protection is that you get community and you create community. Even the way we met, like I was speaking at an event about the work that I do. You're speaking, I'm like, oh, this person gets it. I want to get to build community with them. And as community, as this protection that you inherit a community and you create a community by not being silent, right? By not, and how that shows up may be very different. Not everyone's going home next Thanksgiving to confront their uncle, right? Mm -hmm. But being in community with other women where you have the conversation and and normalize it for each other becomes this piece. Yeah, and I I will say, and this is probably going to be controversial, so we'll see how it goes. I I talk in the book and I'll talk here about the Black family and how the way I was raised was that like it's a white person thing to leave your family. Like white people discard each other, you know, as Black people, we have the strong Black family and that's not what we do here. And in the book and, and certainly my belief is that when there is sexual abuse like this, like sex trafficking, like little girl, father rapes daughter, that leaving the family needs to be on the table as an option. And I say that because we cannot have the same perversity of the black community solidarity within the black family of like the black family is so strong. So you never leave. I'm down with the black family. When there's rape going on, when there's sexual abuse going on, when there's trafficking going on, then we need to have more discussions. And some of that could be that you stay. That's one choice. And other choices that is that you leave and there are choices in the middle of like, I'm in the family, but I don't go to these certain events or whatever it is. But I think that not having that on the table makes it, again, this very silencing thing that even in the family, you're having to not be your full self in lots of circumstances because you're near so-and-so who abused you when you were a kid. I think it's a cost that's too high. And it's one that keeps getting manipulated, not in favor of the Black family and not in favor of Black community, but, but in favor of people who perpetrate sexual violence. And we can go against favoring sexual perpetrators, even when they're Black men. Yes, it's separate. It's not, mm-hmm. and it's a very separate discussion and labeling it as that, right? This is not a discussion mm-hmm. about community and family. And that, and I think part of opting out of silence is understanding there's a range of options. Yes. And that option has to be on the table that you talked about, yes. about leaving your family. That if you want to opt out of being in a life of struggle, feeling unsafe every time you're home, feeling unsafe, you know, in your communities in, mm-hmm. in that moment, 
that one of the options has to be on the table. And that's the thing. We talk about all the other ones. Like we are really good as black folks and black women about talking about academics called restorative justice, right? Yeah. I think the black community did that and many communities of color have done that a long time ago where we really will give grace and space and healing mm -hmm. and dignity to everyone, right? Mm -hmm. We will mm -hmm. call people in. We will not cast them out, right? Yeah. And that's part of our community. We have got that down better mm -hmm. than most people in the world. Mm -hmm. But we don't leave room for the other option, which is that for some folks, it's no. It's, mm -hmm. it's, this has to be an end point. I need to cut myself off from my family. And that there are people probably listening right now today who've done that and maybe struggling with the silence and the shame or the guilt mm -hmm. that they feel mm -hmm. from making that choice. So I think it's beautiful mm -hmm. that you are validating that as an option and knowing that all of those things get to be available to you because you get to choose. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of opting out of silence is having a choice and making it. Yes. Yes. And, and it's your life. And, and I think I, I think that the restorative justice and, and the community that you described, Kelly, I agree with. And there is an uneven contract of who we're doing those things for isn't always coming at the same rates towards black women and girls. And certainly not when we've been sexually abused. And I think that needs to be very openly acknowledged as well. Like we, we are good at at forgiving, coming together. And sometimes we do it in a surface way as an excuse to be able to silence certain people and kind of have things stay copacetic. 100%. And I mean, and, and you're absolutely right. It's not necessarily the most even of exchanges. And I think oftentimes Black women, and it has to be said that we have stayed silent at the expense of ourselves. And mm -hmm. we've stayed silent to protect community, but that community is almost always Black men, right? The community yeah. gets riled up in that. You know, we think about the current things going on in the trial of Megan Thee Stallion, the state, mm -hmm. I mean, to be careful, her name gets mixed up in it, but it's yeah. the state versus Tory Lanez, right? Yeah. What it really became about, let's be honest, it really became yeah. about Megan Thee Stallion versus Tory Lanez, right? Yeah. And this yeah. belief, and even she talked about in herself, I didn't want to say anything yes. because... I knew what could happen to the cops. I knew how the cops yeah. would be to Tori, that even in that she's trying to do some measure of restorative justice to protect yes. at the fact of the fact that she's got bullet fragments yeah. in her foot. And she's like, I don't want to speak up about it. I know what's yeah. going to happen if I do. So to yeah. just to confirm, yes, it is very much that way. And so opting out of silence is so critical. It is actually its own kind of restorative. It's its own kind of healing. Yeah and balancing things back out. Hey, Kelly here. Are you following us on social? If not, what are you waiting for? Let's keep the conversation going. On Instagram and TikTok, it's at Black Girl Burnout, and on Twitter, it's BLK Girl Burnout. And of course, there's our website, blackgirlburnout.com. Connect with us there. All right, now back to the episode. Yeah, yeah, and and so grateful to Megan Thee Stallion, like yes. for, for what she's done and for the heat that she took for a really long time with people even questioning if he shot her or not, and bringing up alleged sex life and things like yes. this, like this is completely out of line and completely sexist and silencing and. Grateful to Megan Thee Stallion, grateful to Anita Hill, like Rosa Parks, who have done this work and who have spoken up. And we, as people who are 
less in the public eye, like I'm not a, you know, a superstar, can be speaking up as well and supporting those people. So we're in community even distally with people who are higher profile who are speaking about these things and being so brave and courageous as they do it. And that's beautiful. Even that first step, right? That first step may just be that you lend your support yeah. to the person like a Megan Thee Stallion. So this is just one example. There's been yeah. many, yeah. but you lend your support to someone like that, even if it's just liking a post, right? Yeah. Or having that conversation when people start to tear someone down or talk about, you know, in her case, her sex life. No, no, that's not what this case is about. Like, even if it's something as small as that. Yes is opting out of silence. And I, I love to give the range of options for folks of like where yeah. you can start, right? You can start with that all the way up to, I've decided I'm not going to be in community with the yeah. following folks, right? You're not in my life. There is that range again in between. I want to reemphasize, particularly for this point, that you gain. What do you yeah. gain when you do that? You well. gain community and you restore a balance to the truth of what it means to be Black and to the truth yes. of what it means to be in community and who we are and what the beauty is of our our lives. Like you restore that yes. by opting out of silence. Yes, exactly what I was going to say. Couldn't have said it better. You, you, you redefine it and you kind of retake up space. You reclaim space. Like Maxine Waters, right? Like yeah. I'm claiming my time. <laughs> reclaim your <Yeah>. time. <laughs> I'm not allowing this to be defined as Blackness. This terrible behavior, his terrible behavior, et cetera. Like we also get to decide what this is. And because everything is linked, because these societal myths and structures of racism and sexism are linked within a personal violence, then you intervening and speaking up at any point is pushing the needle because it's all linked. You know what I mean? The same thing that makes it okay to bring up Megan the Stallion's sex life. Yeah. Yes, I a hundred percent agree. And and that's what I want, you know, as we close out this segment, because y'all stay tuned for our next episode. But as we close out our segment, I really think that's really the important part is like the range of, of the opting out of silence. You get options in exchange for that. Mm -hmm. You get community in exchange for that. You yeah. get advocacy and rebalancing. You get above all healing yes. by doing that. And yeah. that's the, the piece, if for nothing else, for your own personal healing and it gets to look different for you. Whatever is available to you to do, that's great. You know, you get yeah. to have that and you get to have that healing. So that's it for today's episode. Here are a few ways where you can support this podcast. First things first, if you haven't, subscribe and follow the podcast. We're streaming on all major platforms. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, just to name a few. Subscribe and get each new episode as it drops. Secondly, subscribe to the newsletter. We have a monthly newsletter that is chock full of goodness and updates, as well as first access to all the giveaways we do here at Black Girl Burnout. Are you following us on our socials? If not, what are you waiting for? You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Black Girl Burnout and on Twitter at BLK Girl Burnout. Last but not least, make our day and leave a review. Your five stars truly Give me and the team so much energy, and we appreciate you so much. Until we speak next, take care of yourself and take care of each other. Don't